beat to it. I'm walking out. <laughs> Don't mind my dancing. Don't mind my dancing. Man, it is, we had a God awesome morning already, right? Come on. Come on. It's been an amazing morning this morning as we get opportunity to sing praises to Jesus and praises to God and watching him continue to transform lives and people be willing to change their lives to fully follow him in baptism morning. Man, it's absolutely awesome. You know, hey church, this morning we have an opportunity to walk into another very important for us as a, a series for us as a church. Uh, it's a series that actually points the condition of our hearts by the way of our mouths. Now, let me just ask you this morning, is, has your mouth ever gotten you into trouble? <laughs> you're laughing, right? Yeah. Come on, show me why you raise your hands. Come on. Again, those who are not raising hands this week, their arms are still broken. We all know that we've had some point in our lives, this, this thing right here in the middle of our face has gotten us into trouble. You know, this idea of what comes through our lips and that wagging muscle that's in the middle has caused us a little grief, caused us a little pain, and frustrated other people around us in life. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we're all on the same page with this. The problem... The problem with this is once it takes place, once something comes out of our mouths, we can never take back what we have said. Once it's been verbalized, once it's been heard by other people, even by God, there's nothing we can do. We can't erase what comes out of our mouths. We can't hide what comes out of our mouth. Sure, we can apologize for it, but it doesn't take it away. And if you ask me, this is why we need this series, because we all just agree that we all have had this issue in our life at one time or another. At the core of this series is one verse. The core of this series is one verse. It's Ephesians 4.29, and it says this, Do not let, let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. They may benefit those who listen. So what this says, what we, so what it says to us is what we say needs to benefit others. What we say needs to lift them up, not tear them down. And if I read this one verse, I'm looking at this one verse and think, okay, if the church, if the world, if our nation would live this one verse out, many things would be different. Many things would be different in our relationship with each other, how we're connected, how we reach people for Jesus. Just one verse. So let's break this verse down. Let's look at the screen. Let's break this down. It says, do not, do not let any, there's a quantity, do not let any. So it's zero unwholesome talk. Things that tear people down, coarse joking, negative situations where you're just pulling people down with you. Don't let any of that wholesome talk come out of Whose mouths? Not mine, your mouths. <laughs> right? You're a but. And this is a big but. I love saying that sometimes. This is a big but. But listen, this is important to understand. This word but right there, there are several words in Greek that actually translate the word but. This one, Allah, points to the biggest reversal in Scripture. It's a, a complete opposite. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but do a complete turnaround. But it says, for what is only what is helpful 
for building others up. Do you see the difference? Paul, who wrote this passage, God, who wrote this passage, said, do not let this junk come out of your mouth, but the stuff that does come out of your mouth better lift people up according to their needs. According to their needs. Not our needs by the ones who are speaking. To their needs. And then it may benefit those who listen. And this is a part of the verse that we don't pay attention to as well because sometimes we think we're, when we're having a conversation with someone, the person who's listening is only the person in front of us. We forget there's a whole bunch of people around us could be hearing what we're saying. Yeah, so this one verse, one verse, if we lived it out as followers of Jesus could radically change some things in our lives. And here's the thing, so as we get started, I want to make sure there's no elbows going on during this series, okay? Let's just throw that out there. Wives, don't be elbowing your husbands. Parents, don't be eyeballing your kids. Husbands, don't be staring at the people across the room, right? And I always talk about, you know, getting our podcast out, the Word of God out there. This may not be the series that you share with your friends. Hey, listen, listen, listen. We're doing this series that has to do with a problem with people's mouths. I really think you should listen to it. Okay, okay. We're, we're in this together. We do not want to use this series as a way of mass destruction with others in our lives. Because as we walk through this series, we're going to realize, man, it is deeply, deeply personal. Do me a favor. Read this out loud with me. Read this out loud with me where it says, this is for me. Uh oh. This is good again. This and this is why. This is why it's for you personally. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, out of the heart speaks what it's full of. What he's talking about, out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouths speak. And if we're not pleasing with our words with God, we know it starts with our hearts. And if it starts with our heart, there's only one person who can work on our hearts. Us. So don't be looking at your neighbors. Don't be calling out your friends. We need to be looking in the mirror. And listen, friends, I understand that series like this are very uncomfortable to walk through. But I love the fact that we can walk through it together as a church. Because there's no better way to face a series like this than doing it with the very people that I'm trying to become more like Jesus with. Right? I want to become more like Jesus, and my hope is that you want to become more like Jesus. So we're going to walk through this baby together. You know, there's a proverb that sheds some lights to this series. It's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, the tongue has power for life and death. That those who love it will eat its fruit. And what Solomon was saying was that what comes out of our mouths is powerful. Extremely powerful. And, we, and if we, we love what we love, we want to tear people down and we want to lift people up. That's where we're going to see the fruit in our lives. We're going to see the fruit of people being raised up, or we're going to see the fruit of people being torn 
down. So as we step into this series, Throwing Shade, this morning's conversation, we're going to talk about complaining. Complaining. Now, complaining has become part of our national pastime. All of you in the room who really love baseball think that's our nation's pastime to watch baseball, but I need to tell you that complaining has taken the lead by gangbusters in our nation. And when I think about complaining, I think back to, when I think it comes to Scripture, I think back to the Old Testament when God's chosen people, the Israelites, right? There was one point that God's people were a nation of slaves in Egypt. And God noticed that they were in slavery, and he sent a guy named Moses to free them. And God performed all these miracles to show his power and his might and to bring them out of captivity. And these people were set free. But in their freedom, in their freedom, God continued to provide for them. They wouldn't just bring them out. Man, he provided everything they needed. He provided, he parted the Red Sea so they could escape the Egyptian soldiers. And they all drowned. He provided men on the ground. So they could have food to eat, water from rocks, so they have stuff to drink. Their clothes never ran out. God was there, provision over and over, his blessings, what he could do for his people. And you know what his people did? They griped and they complained about their circumstances they were in. Look at this. You see it on the screen, Exodus chapter 14. This is what someone what they said, verse 11. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us out the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we not say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than have died in the desert. Wait, wait. It would be Greater to be a slave in Egypt and have the freedom of God and watch his provision come down in your life. And it goes on and on. And then Moses says something to them that it should stun us into silence in Exodus chapter 16, verse 8. He says, you are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Could you imagine Every time that we complained, every time, not just about our circumstances, maybe we complained about the traffic, maybe you were complaining about the person sitting next to you, right? But in, you weren't complaining about them, you were complaining in God's eyes, you are talking to him. You were grumbling to him about your circumstance. So let me just ask you, church, what do you complain about the most? Now, if you're having a hard time coming up with some answers, I'm going to say, students, ask your parents, ask your spouse, talk to your friends who are closest to you, because they surely know what you complain about the most. Maybe I should ask this a little bit different this morning. What is it that you think you complain about the most? Some of us say we complain that we're, we're not married because we want to be married. Some of us would say we complain about the one who we are married to. That's an issue. We complain about our house is too small. We complain about our, dri- our bosses driving us crazy. We complain about our work hours. The weather is awful. Friends, we live in southwest Indiana. 
What in the world do you expect? This is the only place that I know of that you can experience all four seasons in one day. Look at my face. I got sunburned yesterday watching football, and I took our dog out this morning and got frostbite. We complain about the Wi-Fi is too slow or page won't load. Like, come on, pick it up. I got things to do. We complain about it. We have 254 channels on cable, but nothing to watch. I want to clarify the problem. The problem is not the weather. The problem is not the traffic. The problem is that Netflix hasn't put any content out, original content that we approve of. The problem with every complaint is simply that Satan has taken our eyes off the goodness of God and placed them on the importance of self. That stands behind every single complaint that comes out of our mouths. Satan has taken our eyes off the goodness of God and placed them on the importance of self. That is the problem. Our spiritual enemy has done a really good job enticing our sinful nature taken our eyes off of Jesus and distracted us to take us off his provision, his blessings, his plan, his leading, his you name it. And we, what we do is we take it off all that off of him and put it on what we want, the importance of what we like, what we desire. We take it off his goodness and his greatness and place it on the smallness of ourselves. And when we do that, that's when the complaints start come rolling out of our mouths. Listen, I'm right there with you, okay? I struggle with this as well. I don't want to complain, but sometimes it's just bleh. It just falls right out of my mouth. I remember a couple years ago, I was in a staff meeting with some pastors and staff, and we're hanging out, and we're talking and praising God, and we said, hey, this is the next Bible reading plan we're going to do together, and, I, and I, I didn't like it. I'm like, that was stupid. And so they saw, they saw me fold my arms, they saw me shake my head, and next thing you know, the words came out of my mouth. Well, that's dumb. Wait a second. I took the opportunity of a group of God's people reading his word together, what they're learning together, praising him for it, and I complained about it because it wasn't what I liked. I told you I'm with you. I might as well have just thrown myself on the floor, started pounding my fists and kicking my legs. So what do I want to do with the remaining time we have together this morning? I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us as a church to think differently. I want to encourage us to believe differently and start living differently. I want to encourage us because we all complain. We all walk through that in life. Some of you complained this morning as you were coming to church. You were looking at your spouse and looking at him saying, uh, you're the reason we're late. Or you, you got in here and you realized the coffee was out. Like, come on, can't we just have coffee when we get here? Or it was too strong. Who made this? Or you walked in and we didn't sing your favorite worship song this morning like, I really wanted Honey in the Rock. (laughs) 
Y'all get up when that song goes on, let me just tell you. <laughs> or you saw me walk on stage this morning during baptism wishing that I would iron my shirt a little bit better. <laughs> Rich, you look like a mess. <laughs> I am a mess. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> oh. This morning, I want us to not just stop complaining. I want us to walk through this as a church to take our eyes off of self and place them back and keep them back on the goodness of God where they belong. And let's start seeing the fruit of the worship of our tongues while we're raising the bar of what we say so what we say glorifies the king in heaven. That's where we want to go with this conversation. You with me? All right. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we're starting at verse 12 this morning. Philippians 2, starting at verse 12. Gang, if you saw those orange Bibles as you're walking in and you grabbed one, you will find it on page 803. Find it on page 803. And by the way, if you grabbed those Bibles, you grabbed one on the way in, and you don't have a Bible of your own, please take it. That's our gift to you. We desire for everyone that comes here and calls vertical their home to have a copy of God's word. And if you don't have one, take one. And if you don't have one in your hands and you want one, you'll go out. Grab one. Because you need to read your Bibles. There it is. Okay, Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 12, or page 803 in the orange Bibles from the back. Uh, Philippians was written by a follower of Jesus named Paul. And Paul wrote a lot of letters to, to churches, call them to live out their calling in Christ. Look where he starts. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let's just stop right there. What Paul is saying, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, he's in Act like it. Act like it. Continue to grow to become more like Jesus and less like the world. And then he goes on and he lays out a complete problem, that this exact problem that they were dealing with then that we and I face today in verse 14. Look what he says. This is a command. Do everything without grumbling, which is complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Let's stop right there again. If you ask me, friends, that is a high standard. That is a high standard God's commanding us to do. What do I mean? Whatever we do, whatever we say, whether word or deed, come on, God, you want us to do it without grumbling or complaining or arguing? Yes. Yes. That's exactly what God is telling us. He says, listen, listen. I have called you to be holy. I've called you to be set apart. I've called you to be different than the world that I've called you to reach. And that the people you're trying to reach, here's all they hear is, they're not going to think Jesus changes anything in your life. He's calling us to stand out, demonstrating that Jesus does change everything, that he can tame our tongues. 
And he says it starts with our mouths. So here's where we start. When it comes to not complaining, it's simply this. If you can change your circumstances, change them. If you can change your circumstances, change them. If there's something negative in your world, right, and you have something that you can do about it, then do it. It's that simple. If there's something negative about our circumstances, there's some, something unpleasant, something that needs to be changed, something that's not right, wish, something you wish you could change, and you have the opportunity to do it, do it. We get caught up. When there's something around, that we, God gives us the opportunity to step in and make a difference. And instead of stepping in and make a difference, what we do is step back and complain about it. Why would I? Listen, I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that we need to go through life and act like if everything is always okay. That there's things that we disagree with. Because that would be completely unrealistic. And also to be clear here this morning, it's not a sin to notice when something is wrong. It's not a sin when we, we, we have a difference of opinion. There's not a sin, it's not a sin we want something different. Where we cross the line into sin, where we miss it, is when we open our mouths and start complaining about it. And most of the stuff we have a tendency to complain about in reality is trivial. Most of the time, we're in those situations, God has given us everything we need to make the change. That we can step in and be the difference. We have the authority, we have the resources, we have the time, we have the heart, we have the passion. So instead of complaining, Let's be a people who come up with solutions because more will be accomplished and less will be said. But I also recognize that's not always true. That's not always true. So if the second part of this, second point is this, write this down. If you can't change your circumstances, then change your perspective. If you can't change your circumstances, then change your perspective. This is so much harder. Because sometimes we think that we have the time, the resources, the authority, but we really don't. If we can do something about it, then we do it. But if you can't, then we need to change our perspective. Instead of going on and complaining, maybe we, we change what we say about it. We ask God to start working our hearts what we think about it. Change what we see in those circumstances themselves. You're like, come on, Rich, you don't really know what's bugging me or it's really frustrating me. Let me just kind of take a second to share a little bit of Paul's life with us. See, Paul, the author of Philippians, what he was going through, what he was facing in life, none of us would want. In his life, he had been beaten with rods. In his life, he was whipped almost death several times. In his life, he was pelted with stones. He was shipwrecked. He was drifted at sea. 
And now when he was writing this letter, he was in prison in a, in a church. And he's writing to the Philippian church. And he tells them to stop grumbling and complaining. And as I think about the things that I would complain about, I think they fail a comparison to what Paul was experiencing. And he was calling the Philippian church, and he was calling this church, today's church, any church, anyone who says they're a follower of Jesus, to something better. No matter what the, his circumstance was, he kept on adjusting his perspective. No matter what he was going through, he kept his eyes fixed on the goodness of God that he believed to be true. And he was calling us to do the same, calling us to change our perspectives. He knew how much damage complaining could do in the life of an individual. He knew how much damage complaining could do in the life of the church. A doctor, uh, Dr. Travis Bradbury, I have to make sure I get his name right, he wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And Dr. Bradbury did a ton of research in this idea of complaining. And what he says is that repeated complaining hardwires the brain to, to do what? To complain. To do more complaining. To be more ne the more negative you are as we walk through, the more likely your brain is going to be triggered and continue to be negative. We create pathways in our brains that complaints create super highways so it's so much easier for it to come out. The more we complain, the bigger complainers we become. People become chronic complainers simply because they started. Isn't that crazy? Even more of this, scientists have come to understand that we all have what's called mirror neurons. Mirror neurons, uh, they fire in what they see in others and how they act. And guess what they do? They copy what they just heard. They copy what they just saw. They copy what they just saw in action in the same way. So when we complain, when we complain, we're not only hardwiring our own brains become bigger and greater complainers, we are taking others with us down this path. The mere neurons in their lives are like, ooh, I'm going to do that too. We've all been in a room. We've all been in a room in a situation, right, where the complaining starts. Someone says something, and it gets things going, and a short time after that, the room is filled with everyone complaining about the same thing. Voicing what they don't like, what they don't like about someone, something, some situation. Are you with me on that? By going that direction, they didn't change a thing. All they did is lead others to sin. Social media fast tracks this. Not only is it is a complainers unite at rapid speeds, but we consume so many more people in our wake. I call this keyboard courage. We say what we want to say in a text message to a group message or an email or a Facebook post or a social book post, an Instagram post, or whatever it may be, 
And all we have to do is hit the send button and it's all done. Complaining has broken friendships. Complaining has brought strife to families. Complaining has stalled out businesses from moving forward. And complaining, unfortunately, has also divided churches. See, we can complain, we can gripe, we can whine all day long, or we can choose to turn it around and say, okay, this is what God wants me to see in it. I can't do anything about it, but I can choose to look at God in it. I can't do anything about it, but I can choose the way I speak about it, how I represent it, whatever it may be. We can choose to change our perspective. We can choose that this is the, the worst thing ever. We can choose to say this is something that God's going to use me in. We can ask him to me to step in, change my heart, change my mind in the middle of it. It may not be perfect. I may not be perfect on the other side of it. But I will be transformed into more of an image of Jesus Christ. Because of what I chose to do at the time. I love how Paul ends this passage in Philippians 2, verse 17. You see it on the screen. He says, but even if, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering and a sacrifice of service coming to you from your faith, I am glad and I will rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Even if. That's an amazing phrase for us. I love this phrase because it's so powerful. Even if it tells us that my life or my situation or even if a relationship or in our friendship, our work or a paycheck, whatever we're, we're struggling with, even if we're not going to let those complaints come out of our mouths. We're not going to throw hardship at other people. We're going to throw shade in the situation. Even if I'm going to see this as an opportunity. I'm going to see this as an opportunity for God to work in my life and the power of God to be exposed and showed to the children of God around me and we will rejoice even if. Could you imagine how that phrase would impact our marriages? Even if. Could you imagine how that would impact our families, our friendships, our relationship with our parents, students, even if, our work environments, our connection with our boss, our connection with our coworkers, even if, in the classroom, even if in the church. Friends, throwing shade is not a God thing. It's a broken world thing. And when we look up, not only with our eyes, but with our voices, 
our kingdom impact magnifies, multiplies. We tell people around us that Jesus does change everything. I think David wrote a psalm, Psalm 103, 1 through 5, that gives us the heart when it comes to our mouths. Look at this, it says in verse 1, Praise the Lord, O my soul. In my own being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives us your sins and heals with all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. So your youth is renewed like the eagles. Imagine if that was our heart. Imagine if that was our mouth. Imagine if that was our life. That we stop complaining and do a whole bunch more of praising and rejoicing what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do in all of our circumstances and our lives. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, I know this is a tough one. I know that I am in that boat with the rest of us. But I know also, Lord, I believe in your word, that you call us to be different. You call us not to grumble and complain. You tell us that our tongues have the the, the power of life and death. And God, I pray that we are a church. I am a follower of Jesus, that we would be followers of Jesus who choose to use our lips and our tongue for life. Help us, show us, convict us, change us, Lord, from the things, from the things in my life. So I can be an example. So we can be an example. That's proof of your working. As we walk through the series, God, we will be challenged at many different levels. I pray that we will not give up. I pray that we will stand strong and learn from your word and take on the conviction where it's needed. We don't have to be perfect. The only perfect that a person lived was Jesus. Our goal is just to become more like him. Help us do just that. This morning, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. If you're in this room and you're walking through some things, maybe this had a, this hit a nerve with you this morning, man. You realize that you are a complainer and you really don't want to do that. You want to give to God. Come forward and, and talk with our team. They want to pray with you and encourage you because, again, we're all in this together, man. When We're a body of Christ. So come up and be praying. Maybe there's just things going on in your life that you need to be lifted up. That you're hurting. You have things going on in your life that you need to be prayed over for. Come forward. And maybe this morning you realize that you heard about Jesus and how he changes everything and you saw people heard about people's lives being changed by surrendering to the gospel of Christ and them taking the next steps of baptism Lord maybe it's maybe it's time for you to come forward and give your life to Jesus 
Don't walk out those doors until you've made it right with God, the one who created you, the one who loves you the most, and who gave his son so you can have eternal life. Come forward and surrender your life to him. Whatever it may be, come forward and be prayed over and prayed with. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in your church. May you be glorified. May you be magnified. And may you get all the credit. Thank you for giving us front row seats to your majesty and watching you change lives. In your son's name I pray, amen. God bless church. Have an amazing week.